0: Everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner, and you are listening to Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics, the podcast where we talk about all of that and so much more. How is everybody? It's spring here where I live in Portland, Oregon, and it's spring in a big gaudy way. Let me tell you, everything is in bloom, and we're at that point of the year where I swear we couldn't mow the lawn often enough and it grows back just as high. There are so many plants and bugs and ants and spiders and all kinds of critters pushing it out of the ground right now. And it's just a reminder that, you know, everything lives in a reassuring, chaotic, repeating cycle of renewal and growth and rest. And you know what I think? I think that if it works for the most gorgeous flowers, plants, and animals and other living things on earth, It's got to work for us too, right? I swear right now, there's nothing more gorgeous than my dogwood tree. It's just in bloom. And, you know, I think about stuff like that. I don't know. You get older into my age and you start thinking about stuff like that. There's a lot to be learned from, you know, simply observing nature and copying some of its patterns. And, Y'all know, since I talk about Portland being the land of drizzle, things can get a little dark and gloomy around here. And, you know, I bet it can in your part of the world, world too. And springtime here is wet, wet, wet. Most of us are really sun-starved these days. And, you know, we can let the rain get us down. And, you know, whether you've got weather blues or whatever it is, all of us, you know, we get into our heads and we fret about all that's going on in the world or, you know, the stuff that we worry about and we can really let it color our mood, right? I know I certainly can. And it's actually something that I have to really work on. But here's the thing. If we look to what's going on in our actual world, the one we really live on, not the one in our heads, but, you know, the world right at the end of our nose, then we notice the beauty and the fun and the humor and the joy. Um, I think we should all do what the puppies and babies and toddlers do. No matter what's going on in the world, they go out in it anyway, and they really look at what's happening right in front of them. They really dig into it. They really explore it. They really see the stuff that's real. And then they lose their damn minds with joy over stuff like puddles and cherry blossoms falling to earth. And if you are out there with them and you're paying attention and you're not on your phone and you're actively being mindful, then you get to see what's real too. You know, puppies and babies are mother nature's perfect reminders that what's real isn't happening in your phone, in your head, or on your screen. It's happening right here, right now. And it's actually just hilarious and gorgeous. So the other day I was walking my dog in my neighborhood and I got to a corner where there's a four-way stop. And there was a man and his puppy, um, and they were just trying to cross the street. But It's cherry blossom season here in Portland, and there was a wind that picked up, and there were so many cherry blossoms just, you know, dropping in the wind, and- The puppy wanted to catch every single one of them. Clearly, he had never seen spring snow like this, where it was just blossom after blossom falling right down in front of him. And they couldn't cross the street for this puppy just trying to jump up and catch them all. It was hilarious. And it took forever to get that puppy across the street. But you know what? It was one of those magical and glorious moments when nobody honked. Nobody honked. It was rush hour, and there were half a dozen cars lined up waiting to cross this four-way stop sign. Nobody wanted to do anything other than watch that puppy in the golden sunset, try and catch every one of those blossoms. There were smiles on all four corners, and the dog's owner, his person, instead of being annoyed with the puppy, happened to look up and notice that everybody surrounding him was having this happy puppy moment with him. It was communal happiness, and it was just a dog and some cherry blossoms. That's all it was. It was wonderful. I'm still talking about it. Clearly, babies and toddlers are like that, aren't they? They, you know, just seeing the world for the first time. I think it's their job to remind us that seriously, all the good stuff is right there in front of you. Look at those damn cherry blossoms, will ya? They're floating right down to where we can catch them. Okay, that's enough nature musing for the moment. For those of you just tuning in, I am the author of Common Sense Pregnancy, the book, where we talk about navigating prenatal care so that both mom and baby come through healthy, happy, and ready for what's next. I'm a registered nurse, and I worked in labor and delivery for a real long time at a couple of urban hospitals. I'm also a writer, and I do a lot of consulting for organizations that work with women on making their lives easier, you know, more affluent and healthier, um, especially with a focus on feminism. I'm the mother of several kids who are just about grown, and all of this has given me quite a lot of perspective on the world of maternal health, motherhood, and parenting, and about living our lives as people in the world at this time in history. Um, I am really excited about some stuff coming up soon, and I'm just teasing you about it right now, but come May, and just in time for Mother's Day, I have some new, cool new things coming your way. That's all. Just going to leave that here for now. Um, this episode's going to be a little bit of a short one because this week, uh, instead of talking on and on, I want you guys to do a little homework. I'm going to give out some reading assignments, but first, we'll take a real quick break. Okay, we're back. Uh, and about that homework, the first assignment is in the news. Over on NPR this week, there was a great article titled, Prenatal Testing Can Ease Minds or Heighten Anxieties, and it's uh, by Leslie McClurg. I think that was on April 8th. It's uh, about the advancement of prenatal genetic testing and testing exams that are available to parents these days that provide such a wealth and a glut of information Um that it can be overwhelming. And, you know, we don't always want or need all that information. Sometimes the information is life-saving and life-changing. And, you know, that's the really miraculous thing about science and medicine and the information it can provide us. But sometimes the information we get from prenatal genetic screening exams creates a nightmare of what-ifs that can really cause a lot of unnecessary anxiety. Now, I know we've talked about this before, you know, about the pros and cons of accessing all the latest and greatest genetic tests available. But I think it's important to talk about it again. Um, And we'll probably talk about it several times down the road because it's something most parents, especially in the United States, are going to be offered. And they have to make some decisions about what they're going to do really early in their pregnancy and prenatal care experiences and the sheer number of conditions that you know we can screen for these days is astounding um but here's the thing there's a big difference between screening for a few really serious genetic anomalies and screening for hundreds of conditions and an even bigger difference between a screening exam and a diagnostic exam now this is something i wrote about um A bit in the book, Common Sense Pregnancy, and something we've discussed on the podcast before, but we got to remember this is part of the business, the industry that surrounds birth and parenting. And this is, you know, this is something in the article I found really interesting. McClurg wrote, In quotes, over the last 10 to 20 years, the number of genetic disorders that we are able to test for has exploded, says Dr. Mary Norton, a prenatal geneticist at University of California, San Francisco. Silicon Valley is a hotbed for companies vying for the business of concerned future parents. The prenatal genetic testing industry is projected to grow nearly 30% over the next five years. A wide variety of tests are now available to screen both fetus and parents. One option that's rapidly growing in popularity is called an expanded carrier screening. About a dozen lab companies, most based in the San Francisco Bay Area, can scan a patient's blood or saliva for hundreds of conditions that their child could inherit. Wow. Wow. Now, I want you to go read the article yourselves because it's a really good one on the pros and cons and the doubts and the worries and the reassurance a lot of parents can experience with these kinds of tests. Now, your next assignment is to read chapter four in my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, uh, which came out from Penguin Random House in 2015. And you can get it anywhere books are sold um, and which, you know, started this podcast. It's that chapter is all about prenatal tests and there's a lot in there you need to know. So again, I want you to read it all, but I'm also going to read a few bits of, and pieces of it here that, um, I think you should know in order to take part in, you know, some of the really early prenatal testing decision decisions that, you know, you gotta, you gotta do, um, I'm going to jump around a little bit. I'm not going to read the whole darn thing. Um, And if you don't already have a copy, you can get it at your library, you can get it at your bookstore, you need to get one because it's going to help you figure out your own decision-making processes throughout your pregnancy. So, okay, um, here goes. I want to read a bit about prenatal testing in general and the differences between routine screening and diagnostic tests and uh, about why it's important to pay attention here. Chapter four, prenatal tests. Testing, testing, one, two, three. For millions of healthy mothers around the world, prenatal testing for maternal and fetal health problems is unheard of, uncommon, or unavailable. For American women, it's routine, seemingly endless, and often the focal point of prenatal care. Let's find out what's essential and what's optional for women to have the healthiest pregnancies. What are all those prenatal tests for, and do you really have to have them? Prenatal care for healthy women includes an endless list of lab, ultrasound, and monitoring tests, blood tests, urine tests, screening tests, diagnostic tests, genetic tests, fetal monitoring tests, cervical tests, and that's just for women with normal pregnancies. Women with health complications have an even longer list. What are all these tests for, and do you really need all of them? Do they all contribute to maternal fetal health or are some done for medical legal defense purposes? What happens if you opt out of all or some? Are there negative consequences to any of these tests? Most women never ask these questions. They go to their prenatal appointments and take the lab slips and test orders their doctors hand them without ever asking what they're for. They stick out their arm or expose their belly, and try not to wince when the needle goes in. Or they lie on an exam table, pull up their shirt, or take off their pants, and watch in wonder as an ultrasound reveals the mysterious little one growing inside. Then, at their next appointment, or over the phone, their doctor or midwife tells them if any of the tests were abnormal or if they need further discussion. Because the doctor or midwife orders the tests and receives the results, it never occurs to many women to take ownership of the process. They figure their healthcare information will be given to them on a need-to-know basis, and they'll just follow orders. This is a big mistake. The prenatal tests that are important for every pregnant woman are those that can indicate or rule out significant conditions that may directly affect her or her baby's health. But not all prenatal tests are required or even necessary. In fact, some are completely optional. Some are done just to cover all the bases. Some are done to protect the doctor or midwife. Some routine tests may even unnecessarily alter the course of a pregnancy. So, instead of ordering everything on the menu many women would be wiser and better served by ordering a la carte prenatal testing can be breaks down into 3 categories routine screening and diagnostic okay here i'm going to read a, just a little bit to define each of those Routine tests are done on most pregnant women because abnormalities detected through testing can significantly impact both the mother's and the baby's health. Plus, most of the conditions tested for have treatment options that are usually, though not always, effective. Then I provide a list of routine tests that are pretty important for most women. Okay, now I'm going to skip over to screening tests. Screening exams look at several different factors before determining results. For example, genetic screening evaluates results from a blood test and the patient's age and ethnicity and estimates the chances for having an abnormality. These tests do not diagnose a problem. They only signal whether further diagnostic diagnostic testing should be done. Okay? So let's talk about diagnostic tests. Diagnostic tests go further than screening tests. They look at patients with increased odds for having a problem and determine what the problem is. For example, if a pap smear, which is a screening exam, finds abnormal cervical cells, then a biopsy, which is a diagnostic exam, will determine what kind of cells they are, and whether the woman has cancer. If a urine dip screening exam indicates increased glucose, then diagnostic tests will find out if she has diabetes. Similarly, if a genetic screening test indicates higher than average odds for having a baby with a problem, then a diagnostic test like Chorionic villus sampling or amniocentesis will usually determine for sure if an abnormality is present and what that abnormality is. Okay, then we jump on over to talk about, you know, other kinds of tests, ultrasounds, and then the next section is the pros and cons of genetic testing. I want to read a little bit more from there. It used to be that only women at high risk for having a baby with a genetic anomaly were offered genetic testing. Women who had a previous baby with a birth defect or multiple miscarriages, mothers over 35, and women or their partners who were known to carry chromosomes for genetically acquired diseases were encouraged to do these tests. If a problem was diagnosed, they'd have the option to continue or terminate their pregnancy. As gene testing has become more sensitive and sophisticated, it's become available at earlier stages of pregnancy, and in some cases can be done less invasively. Now, all women, not just the high-risk ones, are offered genetic screening tests. Very early during prenatal care, you'll be presented with genetic testing options. If you're not paying attention, you may not realize you're having a genetic screening test done, especially if it's lumped in with other tests being ordered. If your healthcare provider is doing his job, however, he'll break the test down so you can be an active participant in the decision of whether or not to do genetic testing. If your provider doesn't spell things out in a way you completely understand, then ask, ask, ask. Many parents opt out of genetic screening. They may be concerned about the minor risks involved in the test. Some don't want to know if their baby will be born with genetic or health problems and are fine with accepting the baby with whatever issues he or she may have. That's the way it was for all parents prior to the 1930s. It's the way it still is for most parents in the world who have limited access to health care. In the previous section, I explained the difference between screening and diagnostic tests. The American Congress of Obstetricians and Gynecologists explains it like this. Screening tests are performed during pregnancy to assess the risk that a baby has certain birth defects, including Down syndrome, trisomy 13, trisomy 18, and neural tube defects. Then I give you a list of screening tests that may be offered. The information received from screening tests is usually reassuring, and mothers go on with their pregnancy feeling good that their baby is healthy or normal. If screening exam's indicate increased odds for problems though, for example, a genetic abnormality like Down syndrome or spina bifida, then the parents have to decide whether or not to do further tests. As mentioned already, a screening exam doesn't indicate for sure that a baby has one of these problems, just whether the baby has a greater than normal chance of having the problem. Once parents hear their test results, they have to decide how how comfortable they are with the information they've received. If the odds are higher than normal, they have to decide on next steps. At this stage, many parents decide they'll accept the odds and won't do anything further. They just want a baby, any baby, even a baby who may or may not have problems. Many parents, however, need to know for certain whether their baby has a problem they'll need diagnostic tests, which will either reassure them that their baby is fine or confirm that their baby is not fine. If it's determined that their baby has a serious problem, parents have to make a really hard decision to continue the pregnancy knowing their baby will be born with a health problem or to terminate the pregnancy. This is one of the most difficult choices that any parent can face. As of this writing, doctors can screen for around 2000 specific genetic problems. How often are these tests right? Though the tests keep getting more sophisticated and accurate, they catch only about 80 to 95% of abnormalities, depending on the test, with a 4 to 6% false positive rate. That means they won't catch 5 to 20% of genetic problems, and sometimes they'll indicate problems where there really aren't any. There are no right or wrong answers when it comes to genetic testing. Ask the questions and talk about what test results would mean to you and your family. Then make an informed decision and be prepared to deal with the results. The only wrong answer comes from not asking the questions. Okay, we're going to leave it there. The basic premise of this chapter covers, you know, all kinds of testing that you're going to have throughout your your prenatal care, whether that's, you know, to decide on just one more ultrasound or whether it's to decide on, you know, an induction or other testing down the road. Give that chapter a read. It's a really important primer on informed consent. Now, um, we talked more about genetic testing back in February on episode 151 when we chatted with Heather, Heather Avis uh, and Chris Beard. And I'm actually going to keep things pretty short this week because I want you to take advantage of, you know, all the homework that I'm assigning. If you haven't already listened to that episode, go do that because midwife Chris Beard and mother entrepreneur Heather Avis, who is the author of The Lucky Few, the book and the YouTube channel, they both have a lot to say about the subject. So that's it for this week. Folks, tune in next week when we'll be taking on a very important su- subject that focuses on women's lives, histories, and mental health and their ability to parent well. Till then, come on over to jeanfaulkner.com to learn more about me. Email me your questions at jean at genefaulkner.com And yes, I'll spell it J-E-A-N-N-E. F as in Frank, A U L K N E R, jeanfaulkner.com. Tweet me at Gene Faulkner. Find us on Instagram at Common Sense Pregnancy. And I'm over on Facebook um, on Gene Faulkner and on Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting. Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Picture Studios. Go buy the book, will ya? And keep your eyes on the website because we've got good stuff coming. Till next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Are you a new expectant or aspiring mom? The pure nurture podcast is for moms just like you looking for information and inspiration to create a healthy new life for yourself and your growing baby. I'm Christy Rodriguez, and I'm the host of the pure nurture podcast on the show. I share interviews with experts, educators, and moms who focus on a natural holistic mind body approach to pregnancy, birth and postpartum health. Join us today at purenurture.com forward slash podcast.